This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, we'll get started in Joshua chapter 7, so you can be finding that. Now, when I talk about the valleys in the Bible, I guess the most familiar phrase that we hear is the 23rd Psalm and verse number 4. And it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we'll talk about uh, how many times the Bible mentions about a lot of valleys. We certainly can't cover every time that they mention a valley. But they are named valleys in the Bible, and there are some that are stand out more than others because of certain things that happen in those valleys. But I think that the psalmist is really, we could title that the valley of the shadow of death. That's a valley. That's a, a valley that we walk through spiritually. And it's good to know in that verse that says, Yea, though I walk through that valley, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So, you know, one thing I saw in that is that you're still walking. I think when we get into valleys, we need to keep walking. You need to keep going through those valleys in our life. Don't, don't stop and say, I'm going to give up in the valley. Don't decide, well, this is the end for me because I'm down here in this valley. But he says, as I walk through that valley, the great thing is that God is with me. And that means whatever you're facing. That means whatever's going on in your life right then. And I have always thought about the valley being a time of, spiritually a time of trying and testing, and it is sometimes. But the valley is also a time where the Lord can speak to us, and the Lord can show us some things, and we actually have a little rest in the valley. So we want to turn that around a little bit and say that that valley could be a great thing too. And maybe you can think back to some valley experiences that you went through and say, thank you, Lord, that I was in that area in that time where I had to stop and look up and listen to you and you showed me some things and you, you, you helped me realize that you're still with me no matter what I'm facing. If I had to uh, define a valley... Of course, it's a long depression between hills and mountains. And many times there's a stream that follows the valley. As the waters flow down from the mountains, they get in the valley and that stream is there. And once again, I begin to think about that, 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 that time where we may need refreshing, that time where we may need something in our life that only that that wonderful stream, that water of life that Christ gives us, we can find down in that valley. So it is, it is a great time it can be as well. It, is, it could be a time of rest, as I said. It could actually be a time of joy. Because why? We've been climbing the mountain. We've been struggling up here. We've been working at that. We've been doing a lot of things. And we make it over the top of the mountain, and there's the valley over there, and it's a time of of rest. 
I don't have to climb no more. I can now easily walk through the valley that I'm, that I'm traveling in. Uh, many times the valley can bring us good news from the doctor while we're down in that valley. It, it, maybe we had a windfall of cash we didn't know about while we were down in that valley. Maybe we found our missing car keys while we were down in that valley. There, there's a lot of things that, that may happen in the valley, and they can be of good, and they can be a time of testing as well. But I do want to, to kind of get from that Psalms 23 and that verse 4 is that uh, it doesn't matter what's going on in our life, Christ is with us. He's with us in that valley. And there may be sin in our life. We, we may have a lot of sin going on while we're down in that valley. And that doesn't mean that Christ leaves us. In fact, that gives us a time to stop and say, hey, Lord, please forgive me of this sin. Get this. I want this out of my life. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to face when I get through this valley, but I want you to cleanse me and forgive me of things in my life. So there are many things that can do that would comfort us and help us in the valley. Now, there are 37, or excuse me, 36 named valleys that we find throughout the Scriptures. But as I mentioned before, if I took the word valley and I could start studying it through the Bible and wonder how many times did they come to this valley, that valley, they went through this valley, it was a war in that valley, a battle in this valley. Over 214 instances of valleys. So, as I said, there are some valleys that have a lot of significant meaning to those. And I want to try to, some of them are kind of hard to pronounce, but I want to try to mention, just mention the 36 valleys, and then we'll go get started on those. The Valley of Achor, the Valley of Avon, the Valley of Agilon, the Valley of Araba, the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Barakpha, the Valley of Chorism, the Valley of Decision, the Valley of Elah, the Valley of Ishkol, the Valley of Gehenna, the Valley of Giar, the Valley of Hamangog, the Valley of Hinnon, the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, the Valley of Jabok, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Jezreel, Jezreel, the Jordan Valley, the Valley of Kidron, Kishon Valley, the Valley of Megiddo, the Mount of the Valley, the Valley of Rephiel, the Valley of Rithma, the Valley of Salt, the Valley of Sheva, the Valley of Shittim, the Valley of Siddim, the Valley of Sorek, and the Valley of Gehazah, and the Valley Tripion Valley, the Valley of Zered, the Valley of Zebium, and the Valley of Zephathah. So, a lot of valleys there. Some hard to pronounce, but we want to try to take a look at those valleys as we study down through it. I want to kind of give you some meanings of the valleys and 
especially those major valleys, that about seven of those, that some important things happen in those valleys that we remember in the Scriptures and read about. And I hope that you'll be uh, find some great interest in, in these valleys. So number one is one of those major valleys. It's the Valley of Achor. And I got you to turn to Joshua chapter 7, and we'll begin reading in just a little bit in verse number 13. What does the Valley of Achor mean? It means trouble. There was definitely trouble that took place in this valley. This was the name of a valley that was very close to Jericho. And why is it named trouble? Because of the sin of Achan and what it caused Israel. It caused Israel a lot of trouble because of one man and what he did. So Achor is what we call the valley of punishment or maybe chastisement. You know, we apply that to our lives today. There are times where the Lord chastens us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. We find that there are things in our life that need attention. The Lord's maybe not pleased with. So we get to that point where He chastens us. And that may be a valley that you go through for a while. And in this valley, we find that Achan was actually stoned to death. Why? Because the Lord had said, do not take anything that is in Jericho. So Achan saw a coat. He saw some money. He saw different things that he decided he wanted to take. And the Lord said, do not take anything. And he knew he shouldn't have took it. He took approximately $185 and he took that money, the coat, and because of that, sin came into the camp. The battle as a result of Ai was lost. So we find that Joshua had to deal with this sin that had came into the camp here. And it's going to fall, the lot will fall on Achan. And so let's look at what the scriptures say in Joshua 7, 13. Up and sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is a accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. When we disobey God, it's serious business. And it can cause problems in our life. And in this particular case, it caused problems in the camp of Israel. So verse number 14, we see that after he tells them that definitely sin is there to be dealt with, in the morning, therefore, ye shall brought you shall be brought before according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by household, and the household which the Lord shall take <coughs> shall come by man by man. So he broke it down. 
He said, first of all, we're going to get the tribes. We're going to bring them in. And then we're going to get the families in the, in the particular tribe. We're going to bring them before you. And then we're going to bring the households. And then man by man, we're going to narrow this thing right on down until we find exactly. And you know, of course, God already knew. But he's saying, we're going to let the camp, we're going to let Israel see what the problem is here. We're going to let them recognize who has brought pro uh, problems to this. And so verse number 15. And it shall be that he that taketh with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. Wow, what a judgment the Lord put on this thing. And then verse 16, so Joshua rose up early in the morning. Now I wonder how much sleep Joshua got that night. <laughs> you know, you think about it. He, he knew what he was going to have to do. And he, he probably thought, man, I, I hate this. I, I just despise that I've got to deal with this in the morning. And it's going to be a terrible thing. It's going to be a hard thing, but I got to do what the Lord's commanded me to do. You know, over the years, I, I've, I've seen the pastor have to deal with things that comes up in the church. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a difficult, it's not a pleasant thing. When you know that there's, there's something that's called, someone's causing uh, some problems. Someone's, someone's doing something that's, that's definitely not supposed to be done. And they're, you know, and, and the deacons will get, he'll get together with him and, and they'll talk about it and discuss it. Man, we, we just, we just got to deal with this thing because that's what the Bible tells us. If we're going, the church is going to move forward, church that God's going to bless, we can't just, just smile at it. We got, we got to deal with it. And, I, and that's part of life that has to be done. And, and, and so Joshua, here he is. He rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. So it's starting to narrow down a little bit. He brought the family of Judah and he took the family of Zerhites and he brought the family of the Zerhites man by man and Zabodai was taken. And he brought the household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. So now we've narrowed it down. He's bringing each one by, man by man. And there he is. There's Achan. Light shining on him. He's the one that's got to be dealt with. Joshua said unto Achan, My son, I give, uh, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. So I, you know, I don't think Joshua knew at this point exactly what he had taken, what he had done. He just knew that the Lord had got him to narrow it down and showed him who it was. And so, He's given Achan an opportunity here to, to make confession to the Lord, get things right. He's also asking him to make confession to him. Achan, verse 20, answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. 
And thus and thus have I done. So he began to explain the things that he that he done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver is under it. He thought he could cover it up. Thought he could get away with it. Isn't that just like a lot of folks today? We, we may think we can get away with things in our life, but the Lord can shine His light down on us. The Holy Spirit can convict us. And we realize that, hey, there's some things that we need to be, have dealt with. So that valley could be that time that He's doing that. He's working in us. Verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hid in the tent, and the silver was under it, just like he said. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them under Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Here's what's happened. Here's what he took. There they are. Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold. And look at this. His sons his daughters, his oxen, his asses, his sheep, his tent, all that he had. And they brought them unto where? The valley of Achor. Isn't it amazing that it, what he, one man did, now it's going his whole family, everything that he owns, all of it going to be dealt with. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burnt them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor. Unto this day. Bad valley. Terrible time. But yet it was also a time that God had to deal with something and got it taken care of. And as a result of it, then the Lord would bless Israel once again. So we may find there's things that we have to deal with in our life. And it could be while we're walking through this valley of chastening. But I'm so thankful the Lord doesn't leave us in that valley, in that predicament. He's there with us. And He's willing to help us. Aren't you glad we have a God that wants to correct us and not say, I'm done with them. I don't like them. You know, poor Achan, he had to pay a price. But for God's grace today, we're living in the day of grace. And when we have things going on in our life, there's an opportunity to ask for God's grace to be poured out upon us and say, Lord, please, I know what I've done. I know what I'm going through. I want forgiveness for that. Many times he has to take the rod of chastening and put it across our back, so to speak. And, in, and it has to put us maybe in that valley that we looked at today. I, I mean, maybe, maybe he has to put us in the hospital for a little while. I don't know. Maybe we have to lose our job through a certain circumstance. 
maybe we find ourselves in an automobile accident. I, I don't know what God, how, what method he needs to get our attention, but he can sure get it if he needs to. And when we realize we're in that valley of judgment, that valley of chastening, that valley where he wants to speak to us and get us back on the right path, I'm glad he's there and he's with us. So the valley that we find here of Achor, we find it was a time of chastening. But the great thing we need to remember is he's there. You know, the expression of the Valley of Achor probably became known for that which caused trouble. And you think about it. Because of what he did, it caused trouble in all of Israel and the whole camp. So I'm glad that he turned that thing around in that valley after it was all over with and dealt with Achan, his family, everything he had. And actually, he turned it into a blessing because later on, in Isaiah 65.10, it says, And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks and the valley of Acre, a place for herds to lie down in and for my people that have sought me. And in Hosea 2.15, says, The valley of Acre for a door of hope. So I'm glad we're not leaving the valley of Achor thinking, man, I never want to go through that. But let's remember, this valley of Achor will turn into a door of hope. So as you're going through that, and God is with you, when you get through that circumstance in your life, it's like, look for God to open up the door. A door of hope that when we get through this valley, He's going to bless us. He, he'll show us what we need to do. We do our part with the Lord and He can bless us. And that trouble that we're in could be turned into joy. It could be turned into instead uh, of despair into hope. So the Valley of Achor. Let's move on to the second valley today. The Valley of Avon. It's also called Avon Bethel. And we find that the plain of Avon is, uh, is mentioned in Amos 1.5. Amos 1.5. And they've been uh, getting their scriptures up. Notice this. I will break also the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from the plain or valley of Avon. And him that holdeth the scepter from the house of Eden and the people of Syria shall go into captivity unto Ker, saith the Lord. So when we look at this valley or plain of Achan, we find that it is a country north of Palestine. And Avon is supposed to be one of the most magnificent metropolis areas at that time. And as I was studying it, I found it very interesting to see some of the things and the ruins that are there. It is uh, situated in a plain. It's 42 miles northwest of Damascus. And some of these ruins that are there for the temples and the courts, they extend 
1,000 feet in length. The temples were built of marble, limestone, granite. Some of the columns that are in these temples were seven feet in diameter and 62 feet high. I, I just can't imagine how they were able to construct these things in that day and time with the tools that they had. Isn't that it's just miraculous how they could do that? <clears throat> but it had a, a, uh, a pedestal in the capital that was 89 feet. Some of the building stones were 64 feet long, 12 feet thick. And the temples there are of Roman origin. So there's a lot of things in this particular plain or valley of Avon. Now, what does Avon speak of? The meaning of it is nothingless or vanity. Nothingless or vanity. Hosea speaks of the high places of Avon, which means Bethel. He also calls it Beth-Avon, or the house of vanity. So, Hosea 10.8, maybe they can get Hosea 10.8 on there. It talks about these places of Avon. The high places also of Avon, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall come up on their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. So, we find here several references. Hosea 4.15 also talks about, Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend, and come not ye into Gilgal, neither go ye up to Bethhaven, nor swear the Lord liveth. Also in this particular area here, Jeroboam built some golden calves. And he had them erected there. He wanted people to, to worship them instead of God, Jehovah. They wanted them to, to, get, to worship these golden calves. They were set up as symbols of Jehovah. And he began to try to get the people to move up to worship at Jerusalem, and, but to bring their offerings to these shrines and these golden calves that had been erected. So you can see here that this particular place is being known for turning away from, from God and worshiping Him, Jehovah, and deciding to put our attention and our, and our living and everything else into something false. Man, don't we see that happening a lot today. A lot of people have turned away from, from the Word of God. They've turned away from, from the Lord, and they, they decide there's other things that they can worship, other things that they want to spend their time with. And, and I, I firmly am a believer of this. If, if there's something that seems that's more important to you than God, then you're, you're starting, better watch out. You're starting to make that your idol. You're starting to spend your money, your time, everything invested in that, and less and less uh, looking to God and, and His Word and worshiping Him. So we find here that uh, this became distinguished as an area where actually Israel was made to sin because of it. They had a choice. We always have a choice of who we're going to worship 
Who are we going to serve? What are we going to do with our life? And here, uh, they begin to have a lot of folks begin to follow this false worship as well. And, and it's sad to say as you study through the Bible here that even some of the kings after uh, Jehoram begin to do the same thing, begin to continue to encourage people to worship false gods. Thank goodness there would finally a king come along that would tear down these things and the high places and, and get back to worshiping Jehovah. But sooner or later, they, they turn around and go the other way. So it is very important that we realize another valley, another place. Don't ever get caught during a time. Maybe you, you're going through a dry spell in your life and you feel like God isn't answering your prayer or nothing's happening to, to help you. And, and maybe you're going through that valley and you're thinking, you know what? I'll just, just turn to something else. I, I'll just try to work it out myself. I'll just try to come up with my ideas. And if we don't watch out, we, we'll pull back away from worshiping God and trusting in Him. So it is very important. You know, I think about some of these valleys. It's a good thing to keep walking and move right on through them. Say, get forgiveness, get our life straight, and just, just get out of that situation and say, hey, I want to start serving God like I should. So once again, this valley is, is an important valley as well. All right, then the next valley that we look at is the Valley of Ajalon. The Valley of Ajalon. It actually has a meaning of the place of the deer. So I guess a lot of, a lot of deer was in this valley while they came up with that. There is the name here of two biblical places when you think about Ajalon. Yes, there is the Valley Ajalon, and there is a town as well. Ajalon, the city of Zebulon. So Ajalon is a valley, and it is a town. And we find that it originally was assigned to the tribe of Dan. And But in this particular valley, they were unable to drive out the Amorites. They were unable to be successful in their battle here. So let's look at Judges chapter 1. <clears throat> and we want to look at verse number 34. Judges 1 verse 34. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in the Mount Hares in Agilon and in Shabim, yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed so that they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up to Acharim, from the rock and upwards. So with this reference to this valley, and this is valley is a very important valley, and we're going to get to that. I don't know how much we get into it because I want to spend some time a little bit about what happened in this valley. Do you remember what happened in this valley? Do you remember something significant that has never happened before happened in this valley? And we talk about the reference of this valley named after the town and Joshua was involved 
in this valley in a very big way. So let's look at Joshua chapter 10, and we want to begin at verse number 7. You see, Joshua is, was a great general, and he, he was ready to fight. He, was, he, had, he had had a plan, as all good generals do. He had a, had a mission he was on. But he had his, he had, was surrounded by a lot of enemies. He had other kings that were coming in on the scene as well. So he is, he is finding that he is going to really have to depend upon the Lord in this valley. All right, verse number 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. So he's ready. He's got his mighty men. He's got everybody that needs to fight in this battle. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand, and there shall not a man of them stand before thee. Now that proclamation from the Lord, we hear in the Bible, we read it a lot of times, fear not. It's very important that we remember that. Because if Joshua looked on the outward appearance of this war and this battle, it didn't look good. I mean, he, had, he was ready, but it just didn't look like it was on his side until the Lord said, you don't need to fear. I'm going to take care of it. So, verse 9 says, Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up to Gilgal all night. Now here we are getting in with the battle here. The Lord discomforted them before Israel and slew them with great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Bethron and smote them to Azka unto Machadah. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Bethron the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Aska, and they died. And there were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Wow. Hailstones pretty big. I've seen hail do some damage when they get up there, and I've heard of golf ball size, even baseball size. I don't want to see no hail like that. But can you imagine hailstones big enough to kill people when it hit them? So this is what was taking place. No wonder the Lord said, hey, I got this in control. But then verse 12 says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day which the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, I want you to pay attention to what he said, Son... Stand still, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. A statement that we've never heard someone say in the Bible. And he asked the sun to stand still, and the moon. And that request, you got to remember now, Joshua, he doesn't know, he isn't a science major, he doesn't know how the universe actually is working and what's going on out there. We know the sun 
does not move around the earth causing day and night, but rather the earth revolves around the sun. So you would think, why wouldn't Joshua say, earth stands still? But the way he saw it, the way he figured on it, and we got to remember, actually, what is, what's he asking? He's, he's actually doing the right thing. He's, he's saying it right, even though we think it may sound wrong. So what happened because of his request? The sun did stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon the enemy. It is not written in the book of Jashar, so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven. And then it's very important that you look at this word, hasten not to go down, but a whole day. And there was no day like it before it or after it that the Lord hearkened to the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. So what happened that day? What took place that day? You see, if he asked God to hold up everything, just stop everything in the universe, you can imagine what kind of problems it could have caused. But Joshua was wanting a time where he would have more time to fight this battle. He was asking the Lord to do that. And our time's going to run out. But we'll pick back up with this the next time I teach because I want to look at some interesting things that took place in this valley and Joshua's request to the Lord, how did the Lord answer it? What took place exactly on that day? So it's something that, once again, we'll be able to remember this valley and what took place. It said, there's never been a day like it before and never be a day like after it. So it's an important valley and what took place at this time. Amen? You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.